Welcome to the Dream Home Movement. This is your weekly dose of home and property inspiration, bringing you clever tips and advice from the very best experts and real life Renault stories with your host, Joe Violetta. Welcome back to the Dream Home Movement. You're here with me, Joe Violetta, the Dream Home Movement on 98.7, 98.3RPFM. And tonight we are talking about the realities, what's and all, of being an owner builder of a residential project and also a commercial project. And I have Melanie in the studio with me who has been through both recently (laughs) to tell us about her experience and share with you some lessons that she's learned as well. So if you're thinking of embarking on an owner-builder project, you can pick up some tips and some advice to get you set up just right. And I'm thrilled to introduce you to Melanie Gard. Welcome to the studio. Thank you so much for having me, Jo. Absolute pleasure. Now, Melanie is the, do we, do we call it owner or principal or both? Or? I sort of go between director and principal. Depends on the day, really. Got it. I'm talking to. <laughs> <laughs> okay, got it. Um, so director, principal of Peninsula School of Dance, which is located in Rosebud. And it is, I would say, one of the most, if not the most respected and well-known dance school here on the peninsula. So a bit of a coup to have Mel in the studio tonight. And she's going to share with us her experience as an owner builder with her husband uh, for both a commercial project and, as I said, a residential project. Alrighty, Mel, tell us about, it's a very broad, open question, I've got to say. Tell us about your recent two big renovations. Okay, well, I'll go back in time a little bit. <laughs> start from the start. It wasn't entirely recent. 2013 is a bit of a while ago now. Oh, okay. It? Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. Time yeah. flies. It Goodness. It sure does. It sure does. So I had uh, our dance studio was based in the local community hall and I took over the school in 2006. So we continually grew every year. The classes grew. The you know, the offerings grew, all of those sorts of things. And we got to a point where we went, we just can't stay in this space anymore. And also we being in a community hall, with that comes sharing the space with the ukulele group and the <laughs> Scottish dancers, and which is all very lovely. But, yeah, I was at capacity there. So we were looking for quite a while and we had the opportunity to, we were very fortunate to be able to purchase uh, a factory in Rosebud. And at that stage, the industrial state was quite new. So it's behind Bunnings, if anyone knows Rosebud very well. And there were just a few factories at the time. And this one came up. And as soon as I drove up to it, I knew that it was the right space for our dance studio. The the access was really good. The pathways were good. I know it sounds silly, but it actually looked really lovely. Um, it's got lovely, you know, trees out the front. So it felt really good right from the beginning. So I I had my heart set on it. And we worked really hard to get the finance, so that might be um, some some good tips there from Carl on how to get your business <laughs> finance sorted because that was a big project as well. Before we could actually launch into the renovation, we had to line up all our ducks in terms of purchasing. Uh, we, of course, had to use the equity within our own home to do that. So it was a big financial risk for us, um, but... You know, it's it's been worth it in the long, long run, not the short, short term, obviously. <laughs> it was hard going. Uh, so the factory itself was just one big space 
And we knew that we had to make that space as workable as we can. So with a dance studio, we only have a certain number of hours that classes can actually run. So either in the mornings when we run our preschool classes, but then obviously we have to wait until all the kids finish school. And so we've only got those hours between 4 and, you know, 8, 8.30 is probably the latest. And even then that's for our older students. So for the most part, we want our classes running between the hours of 4, 6.37 at the latest for that sort of, you know, primary school age, young teen sort of age group. So we need multiple spaces. We need to be able to run multiple classes at the same time to make the best use of those hours. And the factory was just one space. So we took a big plunge and decided to put in a mezzanine. And yeah, so that kind wow. of... Wow. <laughs> this is not a visual medium, but no. my eyebrows just went like up into my hairline. Yeah. Just then. <laughs> yeah. So the mezzanine became, because it was the best use of the space for us to divide it in half that way because obviously a factory roof is quite high so for a dance studio we don't need six meter roofs as long as we can have enough space to jump then we're okay so we were fortunate that my husband he's very very handy he's not a builder but um, certainly anything he puts his mind to he will have a go at and his brother my brother-in-law actually works for a company that builds mezzanines. So we were really, really fortunate in that he was able to negotiate with his boss building the mezzanine for us outside of his work hours and we were able to do it at a much more cost-effective um, price than perhaps if we did it just as a, you know, a regular commercial customer. So we were really, really lucky to be able to do it that way. In saying that, it was still really expensive. Steel's expensive. Uh, the engineering component. So the engineer that we had, um, even now when we have people walk into the studio, they look at our beams and they're like, wow, they are mega beams. It's engineered to within an inch of its life. We could land a helicopter and apparently. have <laughs> <laughs> got some sexy beams so, there. <laughs> so handy for little dancers. Um, but it's engineered for 80 tons. So it's, it's a, it's a good mezzanine. So if we do ever sell, um, it will be, you know, available there for whoever wants to use it for whatever purposes. Um, so yeah, the renovation involved the mezzanine. We then in the reception areas converted, um, offices into a studio. We also had to convert other offices into toilets because the factory only had one toilet. So we needed to create another space where obviously we had toilets and change spaces. Um, storage. So it was a massive project. Yeah. yeah. Almost like starting from scratch. You, you just was, sort of had the shell there. Shell. Yeah. Yeah. And that fancy flooring as well. Yes. So for dance studios, we have to have what's called a sprung floor. Uh, so you can't dance on concrete. It's very unsafe. So just a little word of advice out there. If you are looking for a dance studio, please make sure you do look at their flooring because um, you can imagine repetitive jumping on concrete is not good for you. So it's really important that um, the floor is raised from the concrete. So you have to put down buttons, um, little rubber squares, uh, and then we place the flooring on top of that so that the floor's got a little bit of give in it when the students are jumping and landing so that it's it's safe and, and workable for them. Uh, so that took a lot of research. We had to really do our homework. And um, my husband now is the expert <laughs> of building dance floors, so much so that he's recently uh, helped two other dance studios on the peninsula 
um, Creations uh, School of Dance here in Mornington and also um, Billy Lids. That they've just got a new space out in Hastings. So shout out to those two lovely dance studio Aww. owners. Uh, we all know each other. That's nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he actually went out and helped both of them um, fit out their, the flooring and the walls and all that sort of stuff. And I've just been speaking with a studio owner that's out in Berwick at the moment. She's about to launch into the same thing. So, And she had a quote for flooring for $70,000. So... Wow, yeah, so they're, they're really special floors. Yeah, 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 which you can do it much cheaper than that if you okay. do it yourself. So that's what our conversation led to. And I said to my husband, Rob, I said, I think you might actually be able to put yourself out as a consultant soon. We yeah. should start up another arm of the business. Yeah, so. Yeah, I think you should. That yeah. sounds that sounds very viable to me. Yeah, yeah. So if we take out the amount of time that it took to secure the finance, mm-hmm. if we're just from picking up the first hammer to the end of the the project, how long did it take? Well, how long's a piece of string, Joe? Because <laughs> the mezzanine went up. So we basically had two weeks over the Easter school holidays in 2013 and the mezzanine went up and the flooring went down in that time. So it was, and we were literally there till three o'clock in the morning before the Monday morning when we moved in the classes. So it was a massive couple of weeks. The kids were literally sleeping in the staff room overnight. The, my kids were a lot younger then. So um, yeah, it was a pretty, pretty big effort over two weeks, but it was pretty raw at that point. We hadn't painted, we hadn't sanded the floors, everything was sort of just bare bones. And then since then, over the last six years, you know, every summer it's like, okay, we're going to put up this new wall, we're going <laughs> to paint this section, we're going to paint this wall, we're going to redo this part of the floor. So it's, it's ongoing, like, I just, over the last holiday break, uh, Rob put up another wall that created another sort of set of storage for us for costumes. So, yeah, so it's an ongoing process, ongoing. I think, like a home. <laughs> it is, isn't it? Like a home yeah. reno. It never ends. Never ends. Never ends. Speaking of home renos, what about your residential owner-builder project? Yes. So I guess the the commercial build gave us a bit of confidence to actually go, you know what, we can do this in terms of our own home. We have a home in Mornington. It was a very tiny little house on a really decent-sized block. And I guess at the time when we bought the factory and did all of that, it was at the expense of doing anything with the home. We've got three children and we were bursting at the seams at home, but we kind of had to put that on the back burner um, while we were doing the studio. So uh, 2016, we thought, right, yep, it's really time. The kids are getting older. We're heading into preteen and teen years. We need more space. The girls were sharing a bedroom, all that kind of stuff. Um, so I guess we sort of had to toss up, do we sell? And But we would have had to move elsewhere, I guess, and we really wanted to stay in Mornington. We really love it here. Um, and we had the space. We've got a massive backyard. So it was a pretty straightforward, we'd, all we need to do is put down a slab and go, back out into the backyard um yeah so again that was just a process of exploring what what could it look like what would it feel like what how much space how big would we go how small would we keep it um our main priority was to get the three kids into each of their own bedrooms um and just to have two living areas because at that stage we only really had one living space and we were yeah, we'd all had enough of that. <laughs> <laughs> I feel you because mm-hmm. our, our current home and our Seaford house both only have one living area. Yeah. <laughs> They're both small houses. Yes. <laughs> Seaford's on a big block of land, but mm-hmm. both small houses. And I'm 
so excited next year to buy a new place with yeah. two living areas. Yes, yes, just where you can kind of go and be apart. Yes, <laughs> I know terrible. it's a first world problem, it but really is, it, it yeah. is. But I, I am very guiltily looking forward to yes being alone. Yeah, <laughs> just away from all the people that I love yes, for a period of time. Absolutely. Yeah, we all need our alone time. <laughs> and is that that project's completed? Well, the inside is complete. Yeah. So I'm happy. I look the outside. It's still it's. It needs work. The garden needs work, you know, because obviously you cut everything up to put down the slab and it's been a work site for two years. So there's still, you know, roof tiles that are piled up and a block of bricks that need to go and all those sorts of things. But I walk in every day and feel so very grateful for the space that we've got, um, for the space that we've created for our children, the fact that they can have their friends over and we're not all on top of each other. They've got these beautiful bedrooms. We did do it all ourselves, um, like literally from the word go. My husband did pretty much everything, like even the roof trusses he put up himself wow, with well our help. Done. <laughs> yeah, so it was it was a big, big project. But I guess I don't think we would have tackled it the way that we did um, having not had that previous experience of doing the commercial build because the commercial build, I guess, wasn't as uh, – I mean, it was complex, but, yeah, it was probably more straightforward than the, the home reno, the, you know, the roof and the, the trusses and, and all of the plumbing and, and all of that that went with it were a lot more complex and there were a lot more trades that were involved than what we did at the studios. So, okay. Cause yeah. it, it is a, it's, it's a massive achievement mm. to complete those or near complete <laughs> <laughs> those two projects as owner yes. builders. What, what made you decide to embark? I guess uh, we've got the answer for the residential. You mm. decided to do the residential as an owner builder because you'd had the experience with the yes. commercial. But yeah. what made you decide to embark on that? Because it is a big undertaking yeah. to, to do that commercial project as an, as an owner builder. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I'd have to say that's really driven by my husband, Rob. He is very, very self-sufficient. He's very, uh, single-minded and, you know, if someone says that's going to cost $1,000, he'll be like, yeah, and you're like, ah, that, you know, <laughs> and off you'll go and he'll find a way. He's very, very resourceful and he won't give up. So he's – and we probably both share that quality in slightly different ways, but we're both very determined um, and we've kind of had to build a life down here and, and a family and a network and, and do all of it on our own. We don't have family close by. Um, so I think we're both used to being fairly self-sufficient and, and standing on our own two feet. Um, he's also one of eight children, so he grew up in a big household and with a single mum. And so he was very much sort of shown that if you want to make it, if you want to do something, you've got to do it yourself. And, and yeah, so I think that's what's driven a lot of it. And I'm really grateful. I mean, we've ended up with these two amazing spaces that financially I don't think we could have done had we paid someone else to do them, there's no way. Okay, yeah. wow. All right, that, yeah. they're really good reasons yes. to embark yes. on an owner-builder project. Yeah, Robbie, I did your shout-out. <laughs> he asked you before the yeah, show, yeah. make sure you mention sure you me. There's <laughs> a lot of work, a lot of work yes, into this. Work. Yes, love you, darling. <laughs> Sorry for the terrible impersonation. <laughs> 
so differences between a commercial owner builder project and residential, we, we've yeah. spoken about the residential was a bit more technical. Yes. Uh, any other major differences between the um, two? Look, at the time when we did the commercial build, we actually didn't need an owner builder permit. So I think the uh, regulations are a little bit different with commercial builds because I guess because they're commercial. So when you own a build, I think there's, you know, restrictions on you have to live in the property for a certain amount of time. Um, you can only do so many under your name in the space of, I think it's seven years. Um, so going into the commercial build, it was, the process was a lot easier. That being said, when we got all of the permits through, so we went through Ken Weir, who's based here in Mornington, and they were fantastic. They just talked us through the whole process. They were a great resource. Um, the thing with the commercial build was there was a lot of stuff around accessibility, so you have to make sure that you've got, um, you know, the doors are wide enough, you've got braille signage, you've got tactile strips. We had to put down tactile strips at the base of stairs and, you know, lighting, um, fire safety, all of those kinds of things that are more associated with commercial properties were a little bit different. Um, but, yeah, definitely the residential was just a whole lot more complex with the plumbing and the wiring and, and all of the other sorts of things that go with that. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, differences, differences yeah. in the complexity and, and I, I guess there's some things that are a bit harder for the commercial, things that you need to be aware of that you don't yeah. for the residential. But, yeah, I suppose especially because you were you were putting a slab down and then building something yes. rather than building in something, which is what you did with the yes. yeah, with the, the commercial. Ah, very interesting. Well, when we get back from the break, I want to find out what lessons you learned oh, from, so many, jo, so many. <laughs> from these experiences. So you can make all the mistakes and learn the lessons and our listeners can um, learn from them and have an easier, <laughs> an easier path, hopefully. Yes, absolutely. That's coming up after a very short break. Welcome back to the Dream Home Movement, only here on RPPFM. Can you tell us the biggest lessons that you learned from your experiences that you can pass on to our listeners? So many lessons, Joe, and all <laughs> learned the very, very hard way, let me tell you. Um, so we did have a little chat while the, the music was playing about the lesson around permits. Mm. And so obviously when you're building, you do need to go and talk to um, your local permit people. So we went through Ken Weir, but there's, you know, there's lots and lots of places you can do that. And they're, they're the experts and you pay them for it, but they're the ones that will guide you through the process. So it's really important that you go and talk to the right people. The other thing with the commercial build, because we were uh, running a dance studio in an industrial estate, there was also another kind of permit that we needed. So we needed to go to council to apply for a change of use permit. Um, and this is something that a lot of people don't know about and have been caught out. I know that I, I do know of people that have been trading in spaces in industrial estates that um, industrial estates are designed for exactly that, industry, and that's what they're built for. So when you go in as a business that is a service-based business like ours or it might be a childcare centre, a yoga studio, a, a gym, a karate school, 
you need to actually go to council and actually get a change of use permit. And it's all about parking. Everything comes down to parking. Have you got enough spaces to service your clientele coming and going? And that is the stuff that people um, get their knickers in a twist about oh, the most. Yeah, that old chestnut. Sure you want that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really important that you do go to council and talk with the planning team there and work out what you do or don't need. Every business is different. Um, but definitely for a, a service-based business like mine, it was really important that we had all of that in place before we actually went into the building. So that's obviously specific to commercial, but I do want to mention that because a lot of people don't realise that they do need and you can get really hefty fines if you don't have those permits in place and you're trading. You can be shut down as well. Oh, so. gosh. Well, we don't want that. No. We don't no. want that. Not if it's relatively easy to avoid as well. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And you can actually, with those permits, there are companies that can actually put together the paperwork and do all of the hard work in putting it together and put it put your application into council in, in the best light that it can be so that it gets the tick of approval quickly. Oh, I like that. Yeah, yeah. So, again, pay the experts to do what they know well. Um, the other lesson learned, and I think this is a common lesson, isn't it, that always um, – budget for blowouts, that there's always unexpected costs, things that you weren't expecting um, out with the mezzanine in the commercial build. It blew out with the engineer's um, fees, which were thousands. The engineer then decided that he wanted us to do what are called screw piles. Now, I had no idea. It sounds messy. It was very messy. So we had to cut holes in the concrete of the slab of the factory and then they had to come in and drill down these big steel rods into the ground that would go were underneath the poles of the mezzanine um, to reinforce the mezzanine. So again, and that was thousands and thousands. And it's something that, you know, once the again, Robbie cut the concrete, so to save money, he did all the cutting of the concrete and then refilled the holes once the poles were in. And once the poles were in and the mezzanine was up, I was like, well, that was an expensive rod that we're never gonna see again. <laughs> No one even knows it there. It has nothing to show for it. But But I'll tell you what, I would feel very comfortable on your mezzanine. Seriously, land a helicopter, Joe. I'm safe. You're safe. You're good. Um, Uber Air is going to be a thing, so maybe... Maybe we might move into another space and I might open up a landing pad for Uber Air. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> it's possible. It is. Um, yeah, so so that's definitely the, the blowout stuff. Um, questions, always ask as many questions as you can when you're talking to those experts. You know, when you're paying them, like literally all of these things cost thousands. So, so ask the questions. Don't be afraid to pick up the phone and say, look, I just want to double check. Or when you said that, what did that actually mean? You're you're speaking a different language. I want you to explain that to me in lay terms so I really know what I'm dealing with here. Um, People offer a lot of advice. And obviously things like this are great for advice too. But I found when we were going through both projects, everyone had a story. Everyone knew what to do. And and so you kind of have to filter that. You have to to listen to the advice and then try not to get overwhelmed with it and just park the things that, you know, don't make any sense or you think are irrelevant and then really do take on board some of those pearls of wisdom and and listen to them and see how that might apply to you. Um, So that's, that's that there. The other thing I would say is just, explore all the different options. So, for example, when we were doing the kitchen, um, 
we we obviously did it all ourselves. We went and looked at the caboodle kitchens in Bunnings um, and they, they weren't great because they weren't very adaptable to what we wanted, but also the people that were helping design. I was telling you in the break, <laughs> I was, I, we've got, we we're blessed to have a butler's pantry. And I just wanted open cabinetry in the butler's pantry. And the, the guy that I was dealing with thought that I should have doors in all the cupboards because apparently, according to him, everything was going to fall out. And I thought, I just walked How? away and thought, well, you're not the right person no. to help me build this kitchen. Um, I went to Kitchens You Build. I highly recommend them. I've re- recommended them to a few other people as well, and they've been very happy, very adaptable. The staff that we dealt with there were great. They were really um, creative as well. So... Obviously, you go in with an idea of, you know, I really want, you know, the pull-out bins and I really want my dishwasher here and I don't want this and I do want that. But then they'll also bring up things that you hadn't thought about. You know, well, did you think about, you know, these drawers might be too deep or too wide, that's annoying. You know, in my kitchen I've got this. So that kind of stuff was really good as well. So um, highly recommend, you know, just doing your homework and finding the right people and services Um, We did get kitchen quotes from other companies that can just come in and do it for you, but we did it for less than half the price of those quotes. Good on you. (laughs) So Kitchens You Build, that's who you you went to. Yeah, KUB, they go by the name KUB. Yeah, Kitchens You Build. um, The one I dealt with is based in Caram Downs, not too far. Not too far. And I guess, yeah, that's a great idea because you don't know what you don't know. Mm. And they they do this stuff every day. So they, they know the... Yeah, the functionality of the, mm-hmm. the kitchen, things we wouldn't think of. Yeah. Uh, I love the idea of being careful who you take advice from. Mm. It reminded me of being pregnant. Oh, You yes. know when you're pregnant and... Well, it's it, like giving birth to a baby. It is. It's <laughs> a good analogy. <laughs> Everyone gives you advice, yeah. re- whether you've asked for it or not. Also mm-hmm. ask you really personal, inappropriate questions that they'd never asked you before. Yeah. I don't know if that happens when you're an owner builder as, as well. But yeah, you've yeah. just got to look at, okay, where, what's going to, where am I going to get my information from? Who am mm. I vibing with? And just because someone has done this many times before doesn't mean their, their style is right for, yes. for me. So yeah, yeah. take yeah. it. Take it all in, but don't take it all on board. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think by doing that too, you can sort of pick and choose. Obviously, you know, we had a set budget. Um, everything blows out. But because we did do a lot of stuff ourselves, we could then, for example, in our kitchen, we got the beautiful stone where I would have spent the money on having the, the stone bench that we wanted to, and that was expensive. But because we did all of the work ourselves, we saved money there. And so I think it is really worth it. If you can do it, if you've got the skills, then um, there's a real sense of achievement. I am a master when it comes to putting together those little, um, you know, the pushing <laughs> drawers. You know, yes. The, ones that, the soft closed drawers, that's the word I'm yes, trying to think. Yes, you can do that. Yeah. Wow. Well, I built the kids' wardrobes. We got them from Ikea and they are brilliant. That's a best money we spent on the wardrobes. We got quotes from a company and they were out of control and then we went to Ikea and went, you know what, the range they've got here and they are brilliant. They're the best amount of storage. The drawers are beautiful. Love them. That's actually my favourite thing in the house. Well, praise hands emoji that you can put together, yes. uh, that you can put together flat packs from Ikea because that is something I, I cannot do. Oh, I am the master. Cannot do. Yeah. I, I leave the room. Yeah. 
I'll leave, the, I'll leave that to my husband. <laughs> and our marriage survived, Josie. This is the thing. So <laughs> I would be the one that would work out, okay, this goes here, this goes here. For some reason, I'm the one that can kind of see how that all comes together. And then, yeah, my husband does all the putting together of the big stuff and all the the bigger things, but I was definitely the one that did all that finer stuff and could work it out. So. You complement each other. Yeah, yeah, good teamwork. Yeah. So, look, if you have the skills, it can save you a lot of money, but do your research, mm-hmm. build a buff- buffer into that budget, ask lots, lots of questions, yeah. yeah, and get the experts in to do what they do best where needed. Absolutely. Yeah, 100%. yeah, definitely. Now, stepping away from owner buildership a little bit, we've got I've got a couple of signature questions that I ask all of my guests. So yep. here we go. Number one, what is your favourite architectural or interior design style from a bygone era? Yeah, when I saw you obviously gave me that question earlier and I was like, oh, I'm not very um, good with all this stuff. I don't feel like I'm <laughs> really a design expert. Um, I've got a fairly sort of neutral palette in our place now and that we can, you know, add to and, and take away from. Um, but I do, I was in love as a child with Anne of Green Gables and <laughs> me too. all of that, you know, I just love that mini series that came out and that old style, old world, um, living just was fascinated by that. My grandparents also lived in Ballarat and we spent a lot of time there, like at Sovereign Hill and all those sort of places. So it's always been something that I feel I just love the antique furniture and the timber and, yeah, I'm a real fan of that. So That real heritage look, but yes. Australiana as, yeah. as well. Yeah, I, lo- I yeah. love that. I love yeah, that too. Yeah, it's beautiful. I yeah. love it. I love, as, I love history as well, so I'm always fascinated with how people used to live and, yeah, it's, I find that really interesting. <laughs> me too, me too, and I love that series, Anne of Green Gables yeah, <laughs> as well. And when you hear the phrase dream home, what does that mean to you? For me, it means that I can be, that I can relax, that I don't feel stressed. I feel easily, like I'm a naturally sort of highly anxious person. I sort of operate, you know, in a very sort of, um, I'm very driven. I'm always very busy. So for me, going home, I just need to feel at peace. I don't deal well with mess. So I, you know, like to be able, I like to have spaces in my home where I can shut the door you know, the laundry that we've got now is fabulous. I can make sure everything's away there. Um, close the kids' bedrooms, doors, and just relax and be. So the house that we've got now is really functional. It means that there's spaces for the mess to be, for the washing, because there's always washing when you've got three kids, right? It's never ending. Um, so, yeah, for me, it's about feeling calm. I have been investing in a lot of indoor plants, um, so I'm trying to really sort of bring that feel into the house so that I feel rested and calm and that there's spaces where I can just go and sit and have my cup of tea and, and think and, you know, you know, as a business owner, we're always thinking and dreaming and conceiving always. of what's next. And Planning, scheming, yeah, yeah, yeah invading. Yeah. So it's been really important for me just to feel like I've got little nooks in the house and places where I can just go and chill and, and yeah, have that time and space. And now that the kids are older, we don't have all of the paraphernalia of the plastic toys. That's all gone now, thank goodness. Um, yeah, so it's nice. I like the the calmness, the indoor plants, the space. 
Um, and being a functional space is really important when you're busy cooking, cleaning, washing, all of those things that we do. You want everything to work and, yeah. and yeah, be functional. Yeah. yeah be practical. That's right. Yeah. I'm not like, I do like a, a tidy home, but it's, it's got to be functional. Yeah feel like it's home yeah. yeah definitely hey you got to get yourself down to the plantella indoor plant festival oh yeah there was one recently at common folk in mornington oh, but there's another one coming up awesome. we had the guys yes. from plantella in the studio will, a little sure. while ago. it's really good so, yeah i'm yeah. so into it now i'm loving it <laughs> i'm not killing too many so it's good <laughs> well done well thank you so much for coming in tonight i really appreciate it now if people want to find you follow you get in contact mm-hmm. with you if they want to learn how to dance for example yeah, how for can sure. they do that well probably the best way is our facebook page which is just look up peninsula school of dance our website is peninsuladance.com.au we're also on instagram as at peninsula dance i also have um a public page which is melanie and with an e um dance uh, so that's my public Instagram account, which where I share a little bit. So I do have a podcast oh, nice. with yes. a fellow, fellow studio owner. It's called At The Bar. So if you're interested in it, we really talk about um, the nuts and bolts of running dance studios. It's probably of interest perhaps to other um, similar type businesses, but we talk a lot, a bit, a lot about um, leadership, um, managing staff, managing, uh, you know, customers and parents and working with students and, yeah, so if you're in that kind of space or industry, it might be of interest to you, but that's a little side project, which is a lot of fun. Oh, I love that. Well, if you're listening to the live version of the show, I'll we'll pop links to all of that on our Facebook page. And if you're listening to the podcast version of the show, well, hey, you already like listening to podcasts, yeah. <laughs> but I'll put links to um, all of those places uh, in the show notes. Anywhere else? Oh, they're probably the We've main covered places. it. Yeah. There he could. Perfect. Well, thank you again for coming in. It was a lot of fun. So fun. <laughs> thank you so much for having me, Joe. Absolute it. pleasure. Hey, you know what? That brings us to the end of the show. If, thank you so much for tuning in. If you're listening to the live show on RPP, hey. Hope you're having a nice night. If you're listening to the podcast version, thank you so much, lovely podcast listener. And if you enjoy the show, could you please pop on over to iTunes, um, no, Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts and leave a five-star review. It will help people find the show and tell your friends about it. Hey, I'm telling you to do lots of things. Find me on Instagram, find me on Facebook, give me a review, do all the things. Hey, you know what? No pressure. (laughs) Just make sure you tune in again next week. And I want to give a special shout out to all of our podcast listeners in Epping. That was our biggest listening suburb for the podcast last week. Love you, everyone in Epping, followed by Turak. Hey, everyone in Turak, thank you so much for your support. I really appreciate it. I'm Joe Violetta. I'm signing off and I will talk to you again next week. Bye. Thanks for joining us on the Dream Home Movement. Be sure to come over and say hi on Facebook and Instagram. I hope that your Dream Home projects are going well and I look forward to chatting with you again next week.